If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes out of the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you thank our worship team and Jason and Grace for bringing us... Good morning. morning. Happy Easter. Easter. And he is risen. Uh, And also, those both you in person and those of you joining us in line, online. Thank you for joining us. Uh, If we haven't met, my name's Nathan. I get the incredible privilege of getting to be pastor here at West Bowles. Um, I will start with this though. I woke up this morning to this. Get out of my room. And, uh, and then I heard, I'll come in your room whenever I want. And I thought, he is risen. Yep, he's, he's risen. All right, happy Easter. So um, it, it, it can be tough on a day like today for resurrection to make it into our reality, can't it? Yeah, because you get moments like that, don't you? In fact, as I think about the first part of the passage that Grace just read us, you kind of get that feeling that it's this completely separate, completely disconnected, completely just set apart way of life. And and you kind of can look around and go, is that realistic? Is that really realistic? I guess maybe the best way I would describe it is um, a couple years ago, Kara was going to teach, she was teaching a like once a year message to the women's ministry here at the church, woman to woman. And she said, um, honey, would you write what, write out what your version, your rendition of our first kiss was? And I was like, well, I'd be happy to. And so um, here it is, the kiss. She found this the other day and, and brought this out. Let me just read, I'll read you my rendition of it, Okay. 100% accuracy right here. As the evening drew to a close and the dark of night dimmed their surroundings, the moon's glow accompanied by the beams of the stars above, 
illuminated their faces. I'm a little upset you're laughing at this already, all right? He spoke no words, but the charm in his eyes said volumes. Her pulse quickened. His eyelashes danced. The gentle breeze in the air nestled its way through his flowing, and pay attention to this part, voluminous velvet locks of hair. All sensation left her feet, and she was numb to the feel of the earth beneath her. Gravity pulled him nearer to her, and his statuesque jawline was accentuated by a passing comet in the heavens above them. Embracing her with his strong muscles, he took her in his arms with all the grace of a Latin salsa dancer. His gaze pierced her emotions, and the tan skin of his cheek caressed her cheek with silk-like sensation. His breath was rich with the aroma of sweetness and the fragrance of joy, whatever that is, and his lips approached hers. At long last, they shared a kiss, and when their lips connected, the clouds that obstructed the skies above dissipated. The planets aligned in perfect harmony. A new galaxy formed directly above them. Gravity was suspended, and the two hovered inches above the ground. Time stood still as they had finally arrived in longing bliss. That's pretty much how it went, right, hon? Yeah. True story. I have the microphone, so I'm telling this story right now. Um, See, it can be tough for something as high-reaching and as far-reaching and as, as just broad as the implications are of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to get into reality, and I think as I've just been chewing on this lately, I've, I've been realizing that it, the greatest danger for us on Resurrection Sunday, and that is not taken away from Resurrection Sunday, is for that to not get into our reality. And I don't mean, I don't mean like answering skeptics who doubt that a dead man could be raised to life, but I mean the resurrection life of Jesus Christ actually getting into our reality. That Resurrection Sunday would make it into Monday, and that Easter would continue beyond April, and that the church would be something beyond a building. I mean, yes, of course we gather here, but then it goes with us out these doors. See, that can become the danger for us. And I bring all this up because as I look at what Jesus almost immediately began doing after he rose from the dead, I mean, just think about the different interactions he had. You know, he comes across a a man named Thomas, who even today has a nickname, right? Doubting Thomas. Because Thomas just looked at it. He, he had heard that Jesus rose from the dead, and he went, I, I just I won't believe it until I see it. And Jesus shows up in the middle of the doubting, and he shows him his hands, and he says, I'm alive. You know, the, the women, it's believed that these women were the first to encounter the empty tomb. And it's in the middle of, think about it, women, we've talked about this before, in that culture, in that day and age, women were discredited. I mean, what they had to say didn't, didn't account for much. And it was in the middle of being discredited that Jesus rises from the dead and says, I'm alive. You, know, you get later that day, the road to Emmaus. You may be familiar with it in Luke 24. Two of Jesus' disciples, they're walking down this hot, dry, dusty road. And they're not aware that Jesus is risen from the dead. In fact, if anything, we read it in Luke 24, they're disappointed. And they use these words, we had hoped. This whole thing was just a disappointment to us. And yet Jesus, over the course of, not instantly, but over the course of the day, he reveals himself and he goes, I am 
alive. You may remember he shows up face to face with Peter. Peter, who a few days before had denied him in the middle of Jesus' pain, his agony, his anguish. He's headed to trial and Peter three times denies him. And you can imagine how you'd feel if you were Peter. And it's in the middle of that that Jesus shows up and he says, Peter, in the middle of all this, I am alive. A boat with some of the disciples in it. They, they go back to fishing. They just go back to fishing after Jesus dies. And, and we read in John 21, they're up all night and they caught nothing. All the striving, all the trying, all the effort, nothing to show for it. And in the middle of that, Jesus shows up and he says, I am alive. And of course, there's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, Jesus shows up and he has to call her name for her to recognize him because as she looked around, she thought he was the gardener. I mean, you've been there, right? Where you look around life and you just go, God, I don't recognize you in any of this. And in the middle of it, he says, I am alive. So you've got all these appearances over the course of 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. And part of the purpose of that was for him to just show people, I'm alive. You know, you, you see old paintings, centuries-old paintings of Jesus walking around, and you know what's common to every single one of them? He's got like this halo, this glow around his head. It's in every single painting. And as I read about these paintings, the, the artists were actually trying to figure out how do we portray not just Jesus, the resurrection life and light of Jesus. And so you'll see, no matter what style of art it is, you'll see this glow or this circle around his head. And so, of course, he was appearing to people to show them he was alive, but there's more to it. There's more to it. See, he showed up in the middle of all those situations to disciples and to other people, and we get to read about it because you know what the message of that is? In each of those situations, you can be alive. You can be alive. If you trusted what he did on your behalf at the cross to make you right with God, and guess what? You glow. You have a resurrection glow. See, that's what Jesus was doing over those 40 days. He's walking the earthly ground with a heavenly glow. But sometimes we're not ready for that glow, are we? Let me ask, how many of you, uh, how many of you have nightlights in your house? Okay, the rest of you are lying right now. Anyway, okay. Yeah, you know, when we're younger, it's because of fear, but then, it, you know, as you get older, it's, you trip over enough things in the dark, and it's like, yeah, I need nightlights, okay? So the other night, I woke up at like 1.30 in the morning, but I didn't know it was 1.30 in the morning. It might as well have been noon, because Kara bought this nightlight bulb that I'm pretty sure was like the high beams for our minivan. I mean, it just, I was like, what is it, noon outside right now? But see, this is... This is really what we do. It's really a picture of what we do constantly. We want that glow. We want to be able to turn that glow off and on when we're ready for it. And so let me bring you to the passage that Grace read us. Because Paul, years and years after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, God through Paul is really connecting the dots for us. He's saying, look, resurrection life is something that actually makes it into the realities of the rest of your life. And, and, but the way Paul says it, you, you would get the impression that maybe it's like so separate. And so I want to walk through this for a minute. Because here's, here's what he has to say. This is chapter 3, 
verse 1 of Colossians. And he's talking to a church that had really done this exact thing. They, they had associated resurrection life with just kind of like living so separate that it didn't get in to the rest of their life and into the daily living. He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Since you've been raised with Christ, in other words, you walk around with a glow, which means a few things. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, the first thing that happens when, when resurrection life and glow makes it into the reality of every single day, what Paul's saying is it raises your aims. It raises your affections. It's the heart. Your heart directly goes not just to like some slightly higher level. Your heart is aimed directly at where the activity of Christ is, at the right hand of God. So there's redemption and there's grace and there's love. And, and if you keep following what Paul wrote here at the beginning of chapter 3, you get a more practical picture of what that looks like. This is in verse, verse 10, or excuse me, verse 9 and 10. He says, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. In other words, you don't just walk around and go, cool, Jesus raised from the dead. He says, no, you actually think with your actual image of God in mind. That is the image that he had in mind and in heart when he created you, when you came into this world. He says, that's, that's what raised aims are in life, that I would live in to my fullest image of God. Paul doesn't stop there. Paul keeps going. Now he says, no, you don't just have the image of God of you in mind, but of others as well. Here's what he, here's what he said in verse 11. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We don't categorize one another anymore. See, that's a raised aim that's the result of the resurrection glow. He goes on. He says, not just raised aims. It's raised thinking. Listen to verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is not just the power of positive thinking. This is in my thinking processes. How do I go about fulfilling my purpose is the image of God that he put inside me. And then he makes this list. And he makes a list that honestly, you know, when you read it, you go, ooh, ooh, yikes. Oh, yikes. You know, because we all could probably hold up the mirror and go, oh, no. But listen to what Paul says. He talks about the, the earthly things, the earthly ways. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, here goes a preacher again, telling me how to live, right? But that's not what Paul's getting at. What Paul's getting at is these are all the ways that sin gets real, real creative inside every single one of us. He says, look, if you want to fulfill this part of you, here's an outlet, and here's an avenue to that, and here's another avenue to that. So Paul says, but 
when you have a resurrection glow, if you've trusted in what Jesus did at the cross and you've been raised with Christ, you have raised thinking. You know that there are far better avenues to fulfill the, the stuff inside of us at the deepest of levels that we long for. It's raised aims. It's raised thinking. See, a lot of times when we live in that list of things, it's like this news story I heard about back in, uh, I think this happened in 2011. I recently heard about it. In Florida, a man had left a store and he realized his wallet was gone. And so he's making the call to the credit card company to cancel his card. And they said, well, we'd like to do that, sir. But um, we show that your card was just used at a pizza place that was actually in the same plaza. And so he called the police. The police show up at the, at the pizza place and they catch the person using his card. The person had charged $40 for pizza on his credit card. Now, as the police are sitting down with this person, they said, hey, have you had money troubles, sir? And it turned out he hadn't, because in his wallet was $250 cash. And they found out he owned a dental practice in another state for three, worth three to four million dollars. Now, can you imagine for a minute not recognizing the riches you have? And I'm not talking about the physical money. I'm talking about what resurrection life gives us. Because see, when we don't recognize what resurrection life has given us, we live in that list, don't we? It's lower thinking. And Paul says, no, no, no. To walk around with a resurrection glow, it's raised aims, raised thinking. And he gives a third thing here, raised living. Look at verse 3 and 4 of Colossians 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you, then you also will appear with him in glory. Did you catch that? The, the, he, he just moved from life with Christ to Christ is your life. Not just the, like compartmentalized over here a little bit and then I'll take care of the rest of this, Jesus. But he is your life. See, a resurrection glow. A resurrection glow is revealed in raised aims, raised thinking, raised living. It's, it's like the story of a boy who decided to go visit a girl across town. And so as he went across town, he first passes this, this candy shop. And he suddenly thinks of her. And he remembers what her favorite kind of candy is. And so he gets a bag of candy for her. And he's carrying this along and he soon passes uh, a deli. And he remembers that he'd like to invite her to lunch there sometime because some of his favorite meals have been served there. And then he passes a flower shop and he thinks how great she would look with a flower. And so he buys her some flowers. He passes a shop with a big window and he turns and he does the thing we all would do. He looks at his reflection and he straightens up to look his best for her. Do you see what happened here? She was in his conduct as he imagined her, as he thought about her. And Paul is saying, put Christ in your conduct. Raised aims, raised thinking, raised living. That's what it looks like. Now, you know, you, you sit here and, and Paul, Paul speaks in this eloquent, beautiful, high-sounding language that sometimes is like, okay, so how does the rubber meet the road on this? I mean, he gave us some pretty specific details over these last few verses. But what does it actually look like 
You know, he wraps up in verse 12 with this. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But what does that look like? I mean, sure, you you could look at the early examples of the risen Jesus demonstrating it. And then you think about Paul and you think, well, he's Paul. He's the apostle Paul. He's incredible. Of course he can do it, Nathan. But I I, want to walk you through just a a few pieces of the life of somebody that you've likely heard of if you grew up in church, a man named Moses. You remember Moses? No, Nathan, we don't remember Moses. Okay, yes. Yeah, Moses. You know, you go all the way back to Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy back there in the Old Testament. And the thing about Moses is he's leading God's people. You, You may know his story. He's leading them through the desert. And it's not just like a week or two. This is year after year after year, 40 years. And as Moses is going through the desert, you, you begin to realize as you read his story, he is like the favored representative to hear from God for the people. And so in Exodus chapter 33, there's, there, you learn about what's called the tent of meeting. Okay, and Moses, he would go into this tent of meeting, and what we read in Moses, uh, Exodus 33 is that he would go in there and he would meet with the Lord as if he were meeting with a friend. And all the people, Moses would go into the tent, and all the people would gather around and they would just wait. And they would wait to hear what Moses had heard from God. And then he'd come out and he'd speak to him. Now, Also in Exodus 33 and 34, you have this moment where Moses is going to go to the top of a mountain and get the Ten Commandments. He goes to the top of the mountain. He's hearing from God, and he comes down from the mountain, and there's something going on with Moses. He's glowing. He's just got this glow that just happens when you've been talking with, interacting with, face-to-face with God. And, and at first, we, we read that Moses didn't even realize he was glowing. But all the people really, really noticed. And he's just glowing and glowing. It's just radiant. Now, think, I just want to keep that in mind. Now, we're going to fast forward to the end of Moses' life. Because when you get to the end of Moses' life, you know, you imagine somebody who glows like that. Wow, their life must have just been incredible. But when you get to the end of Moses' life, and he doesn't have much time left, there's something very interesting that you notice about Moses. Moses is no longer in a position of leadership. There's no position. There's no title. Many of the people that he had led through the wilderness, they had died off. So there's no position, no people. But there's some other tough news for Moses. Moses had found out from God himself, hey, Moses, You're not going into the promised land. I know you spent all these years. You spent all these years leading all these people, but you're not going to cross into the promised land. And there are times where I just get so bummed for Moses. I mean, that's going to be one of my questions one day if we're allowed to ask questions. Like, why why couldn't he go into the promised land? I mean, it was years of griping and whining and complaining and the people not liking him. He can't go into the promised land? I mean, he hit a rock. He hit a rock in frustration, and he can't go into the promised land. And I've always thought, what a bummer for Moses. That's a theological term, by the way. So, and then, as I've been sitting with this, I realize I don't think Moses cared one bit. Because where was Moses 
every single day. Moses was face to face with God. And I'm telling you, there is no promised land on earth that measures up to that. Nothing like that. In fact, we read exactly how Moses, his last moments went. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Did you catch that? His eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. You know what that is? That's somebody who glows. That is somebody who glows with the life of God within them. Now, I know what some of you are still doing right now. You're thinking, yeah, well, that's, that was Jesus, Nathan, and that was Paul, Nathan, and that was Moses. What about me? And you'd be right. You know, Moses was this favored representative who could intercede for the people. And, and you, you read about the favor he had with God a few times in Exodus. But you know what? What happened at the cross made things very accessible for you and me. In fact, it made everything accessible. See, what Jesus did at the cross, if you've trusted what he did at the cross made you right with the Heavenly Father, you know what that means? It means that the cross restored the relationship. And then that God raised him from the dead, you know what that means? It means you get the resurrection glow. You get to glow. You know, you know what happens when that comes about? Raised aims, raised thinking, raised living. So that you can walk out of here, and I can walk out of here. And it's not really walking into a situation like that first kiss that I described. In fact, let me read to you the rest of the, how it actually went, okay? Because I, I wrote that too. These are the kind of situations that you walk out these doors into, Okay. Hopefully not this one specifically. So as we landed, time stood still, and they had finally arrived in longing bliss. Five more seconds passed, and the credits to the movie rolled up the screen. Kara looked over to see Nathan asleep and drooling on the couch pillow. She woke Nathan up since the movie they'd been watching, Velvet Moonlight Kiss, had ended, and it was time for Nathan to get home. Nathan had spent the evening suffering from a severe case of indigestion and heartburn and had missed half the movie. He's praying the indigestion wouldn't flare up for the third time in the evening. They walked out to his car. Well, good night, buddy, Nathan exclaimed as he high-fived Kara. I had a great time, was all he could utter before his voice cracked a couple times. Kara grabbed his arm and spun him toward her, leaning in for the kiss. An awkward head tilt led to their retainers getting tangled. Kara's parents had to come help with the retainer issue. Thirty minutes later, they were freed. Nathan was on his way home, reassuring Kara he'd send a message to her pager to let her know he got home safely. That's probably closer to how it went, huh, Kara? Yeah. Yep, okay. So that's what you walk out into. And you wouldn't plan it that way. In fact, we get really disappointed when it doesn't go that way. But you know what, when you walk back out into that with a resurrection glow, you know what people in those situations get? Good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it just illuminates from your life. So as we, as we wrap up, as the worship team comes back up, 
What would that look like? Resurrection glow is revealed in raised aims, raised thinking, raised living. What would that look like for you? What would parenting look like? What would grandparenting look like? What would teaching look like? What would working look like? What would learning look like? What would our practices in sports or the different clubs we're in or instruments, what would life look like with a resurrection glow? I will ask that God will raise our aims, raise our thinking, raise our living. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, on this day of all days, Lord, all we can pray is thank you. Thank you that in all your wisdom and all your provision, with all the heart that is love within you, you looked at us. And while we deserved punishment, you provided that that would be poured out on your son, our Savior, so that we could be raised from the dead with him. And so as we walk out these doors, Heavenly Father, I pray for a true resurrection glow, a resurrection that gets down into the very fibers of, of every single person's reality in here. I pray for those in here that maybe they've heard the what of this story over and over. But Lord, I pray for all of us that the why of this story would just get into the deepest places of our hearts and that we'd recognize that you did not just redeem us for us to wait until the end of this earthly life, but to walk out these doors with a resurrection glow. And so for anybody in here who has heard that but has never trusted in what Jesus did at the cross, Lord, I pray that that you would just make it so clear that it's you stirring the heart right now. Lord, bring them along. Somebody in here, intersect their paths in a way that they could come to know you and have a discussion and believe in their hearts. And, and obviously, we'll be standing around afterward for those conversations. But Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your work on the cross and your resurrection glow. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter. Thank you for joining us.